1: And whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular.
2: Hello
3: and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. Well, it's budget day and the government has announced a massive 11 billion euro package with an unprecedented level of almost immediate payments between now and Christmas. So big money is being thrown at the cost of living problem fueled by those bumper corporation tax receipts. To discuss all of this, I'm joined by our political correspondents, Michal Lahan and Paul Cunningham, and later by political coverage editor David Murphy. So, 11 billion euro, Michal, it's spread around quite widely, but the political danger here is that it just can't keep pace with inflation.
2: Yeah, that seems to be one of the big dangers, and that's a particular danger when it comes to those permanent uh, changes. Those things like the twelve euro increase in the state pension and the welfare payments—that that's out of kilter with that. But I suppose there probably is a more immediate challenge too for government. Although there is a lot of money, there's that four billion euro package, which has began its life at somewhere around one billion, then went to two, and then three, and ultimately four, as you predicted, it would. Then
3: I, I said it weeks ago. You heard it here first. I said did? four billion.
2: Yeah, and that—that's that's just an extraordinary 4. amount 1. of money. Coupled with the fact that it arrives quicker than most other uh, budget measures traditionally would. So it probably does get the government a certain degree of flexibility and a degree of ease as the Christmas period approaches. At the same time, if there is huge energy bills, which that potentially is for people in the next three or four weeks, you could see the mood begin to build quickly around the fact that those measures will evaporate quick enough because they are, in large part, once off payments, despite the fact that they are spread out widely and many people will get them. And it will be at that point that you will see renewed calls again for things like a cap on energy prices, I think.
1: That certainly seemed to be the way for opposition parties, at least. Their sense of it, Sandra, was that um, the government was cushioned till the end of the year with these one off payments and a credit, but it was maybe only when the second energy bill came through that and the January blues hit, That then sort of, you know, the storm was really going to brew. And it's at that point that and um, the pressure will come on yeah. the government. So there's a sense that maybe this is the eye of the storm. A few months where things will be tough, but not that tough, you know, come January, then all bets are off.
2: And the pacing of the payments for the electricity bills to households as well. The fact that there's two after Christmas uh, probably has an eye to that, that, that some of the money could be gone some of that one-off money could be spent at that point so there would be two more energy payments uh, to come after Christmas now. There had been an expectation there might be two before Christmas. Mm. But...
3: Paul, where do you see the weaknesses politically in the budget? What have the opposition been homing in on?
1: I suppose there, there, there are two main themes. Um, one is the question of fairness, that um, the Social Democrats and Labour both identify the fact that if you just look at income tax alone, that sort of the more well-off in society are going to do better than the, the more vulnerable. The government's response to that is that you have to look at this budget in the round. If you take account of all of the social protection measures, measures, things like extra fuel allowance and, and put them all together, then the weakest in society are protected. So you're going to have that big clash. And I think the second unknowable thing is just exactly how this crisis is going to play out, how big inflation is going to be, and to what extent are these supports then going to be gobbled up. And I think that is the big question. Um, Pascal Dunhu was pretty clear that inflation is here to stay. And if it is here to stay, then we've got a problem. We just don't know how big the problem is going to be. And to a certain extent, that you can't really project forward. Opposition parties are pretty clear, once again, things are going to be bad, going to be much worse come January and they still believe that um, the government is going to have to go back to the kitty.
2: And in some ways, even though the Covid budgets were extraordinary, too, uh, within many of them, there was a hope and a sense that things might lift quite quickly. Ultimately, it didn't. And that crisis went on for quite some time. But here there seems to be uh, a realisation that these prices and prices generally on things like food and energy are going to continue uh, soaring for quite some time to come. So there's no great hope, even perhaps in, in the medium term of this crisis abating.
1: And I think if they're going to do something, I mean, like if you make that parallel with COVID, something the government is absolutely firm, you can't compare like with like. But there was the question that when the government felt it was short of cash and had to support business, had to support jobs, had to support people compelled to stay at home, they went and lashed on money onto the national debt. And so that is always an option which is left open to them. But at the moment, they're saying definitely not.
3: And, Michal, what do you, what's your sense of what's the mood like with the backbenchers? It doesn't seem. They, no, it's
2: extraordinary. It's calm. Yeah, it's really calm. They seem calm. Calm. Their smile. I mean, government TDs, by and large, are smiling. They don't want to be seen to be smiling because uh, it isn't that. There's no type whooping of in moment. the chamber. It wasn't no, one of those budgets. No, under understated in their approach, but smiling. And I suppose the fact that there are no protests at the gates either and really wasn't many protesters all day at all, despite the extensive hoarding around. The Leinster House and government buildings this morning, Uh, this was a budget that gave out a lot of money, uh, money that's going to be delivered quickly, uh, and didn't uh, cause, so far at least, any great unease on the government backbenches. The opposition, trenchant criticism, at the same time, not the kind of real fire that might be there uh, in a crisis budget.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was sitting in the press gallery for the delivery of the budget speeches, and it was quite muted. Um, the first sort of ripple that you got. I mean, if you think back to budgets of the past, that was screaming and roaring across the chamber as various we're different young. announcements were made. <laughs> a long, long time ago. But in this one, it was quite muted. The mm-hmm. first time you heard something was when the Royal Independent Group um, clicked that um, the carbon tax was going to roll on it wasn't going to be paused but then Pascal who the finance minister said that the two cent increase in petrol and fuel was going to be offset so at the pumps it'll remain the same but that was the first time and he was standing on his feet a long time before that happened I think there's so much money it's a question of wait and see rather than getting upset today
2: Pascal who did as well as you know living up to, to his reputation for being prudent. I did emphasise money that was being set aside uh, for another day, and it's not called a rainy day anymore. He also mentioned the over-reliance on a small number of companies when it comes to the tax take, uh, which is extremely generous from those companies at the moment. And he spoke about debt, debt levels being a very high, kind of among the highest uh, of many countries. So Second I suppose, highest, I think it yeah. was, yeah. So. Uh, all that uh, striking kind of a note of caution and as well delivering the kind of curious unnerving sentence about shocks becoming more frequent and having a greater impact uh, generally on society here and the vulnerability of the Irish economy always when things take a turn for the worse globally
1: on that basis because we're such an open economy that's sort of when things are going well mm-hmm. you know it's good for us but when things go bad we get an ordinary hit
2: yeah so warnings and- are plenty there i mean if you're to yes. look at the the non silver lining
3: but Paul, uh, the three-party coalition putting this budget together, Fine Gael obviously trying to claim the income tax cut, yes. the really giant cut, it's going to cost €1.2 billion. Euro. Fianna Fáil, maybe some of the social welfare stuff. Did the Greens get enough to satisfy their base?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Fine Gael did well. They had their tax cut and that was like sort of a bottom line for them. And they also got an indication that maybe in the next budget, um, a reframing of the tax code was also on the cards. It's something going to be examined. It was something which Leo this Varadkar the 30% was trailing. Rate, yeah. Exactly, Leo Varadkar was trailing and then was put back in his box. Um, this will make the to and he shook to be very happy, weren't it? Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, Whether it happens or not. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, usually those things, once there's an indication that it's going to be looked at seriously, is a pretty good um suggestion that it's going to come through. Not a guarantee, but a good suggestion. But just to answer your question in relation to the Green Party, I think the Greens will be happy. If you're looking at the budgets that was given to Eamon Ryan or to Roger O'Gorman, they've got double digit growth on them. So those are are big. Um the key um phrase for the Green Party is we were going to do something on childcare and 25% reduction on bills that's particularly mm. substantial but and all the
3: parties want to claim that I mean that's something yeah. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael will go back to the voters with and say we brought you this
1: yeah but I think from the Green Party's point of view they also need to sort of broaden it is, It can't just be about the issue of climate change they have to be able to present themselves as, as a broad party able to answer everyone's concerns particularly in a time of crisis like this a cost of living crisis so I think that was key but you know on the sort of environmental stuff they were getting more money for um, to ensure that more homes are going to be sort of upgraded it um, from an installation point of view next year than this year. So I think on a range of, of policies they will are particularly happy but as you rightly say it's not quite clear that the public will pick up on that. There's the but, public transport
2: fare reductions as well which continue oh yes. although I'm told that was the Taoiseach's
1: idea initially. That's why I didn't know it. The
2: yeah.
3: Greens have been claiming that one certainly they said that's that, that that's their initiative. Yeah.
1: Th- they, mean, they have substantial to. I mean we always have to reference the fact that you know, people like um, people before profits have been advocating that if you're actually serious about um, climate change, you want to reduce the transport emissions, which is one of the highest sectors, then it is, you know, getting more buses, getting more trains and making it free. You know, if you make it free, people will, will make that change.
3: What about the ministers, Michal? Sometimes uh, we see this kind of public battle. There's this jockeying for a certain minister's fighting for their department and trying to claim wins individually and frame it as a tough battle, but they got something in the end. What, what politically do you see? Where yeah, is that I think, landed? I think
2: Heather Humphreys is, is very good at this because the social protection budget always seems to be the final one uh, to be nailed down and inevitably. Uh, it's presented as something that went very late yesterday evening and perhaps perhaps it did and there were many measures there so it probably did take some time to get it all through so I think you see a constant battle there between social protection and, and public expenditure as well as that Simon Harris uh, keen to mm-hmm. emphasise the type of reductions that were made around third level fees some of them applying to everyone that 1000 euro reduction this year and then of course a more permanent one for next year a more permanent change too uh, likely to kick in around an increase to the Susie grant uh, as well as that double payment of the grant in December. So I think he can point uh, to many things there and Norma Foley in education mm-hmm. to the books, uh, the free books at primary it level. It was very as well. well
3: handled, that one, I think, across all the front pages on Monday. A very positive announcement for the government.
2: Yeah, that seems to be uh, the way it goes that Things like that, that perhaps on a budget day in itself mightn't have had quite the same impact, does certainly in the days leading into to a budget.
1: One interesting thing I thought was, you know, a big thing for Leo Radcar was the question of supports for businesses and um, who are fearful that they're not going to be able to pay the bills. Therefore, they're going to let people go, job losses, unemployment and sort of that Turn in the economy which um, no one wants to see and so there was this um, billion euro plan to try and assist them what was interesting about the plan to a certain extent when it came to energy was they they did implement a form of cap that 40% of bills under certain criteria would be looked after by the government with the company then having to look after the 60% so it would appear on a point of principle that Mm -hmm. when it comes to businesses the government is quite happy to have some form of energy cap but when it comes to households they don't
3: And we haven't heard the end of that. That's clearly going to be a point of contention for the rest of the winter, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: And, uh, you know, Pierce Stoherty of Sinn Féin, their finance spokesperson, raised it. It was one of the key points he wanted to hit home. He kept using the word certainty, certainty. Householders need certainty. The government had a chance to give certainty and refused to do so. But as um, Mary Regan was saying in the podcast we had last week, if you look at, say, the Dutch model, they had a partial cap, maybe something like the business cap we just have here. But that the challenge for the government over there was that they had to cut back on teachers, cut back on nurses and doctors to be able to afford it. So if they do to go the cap route, it doesn't mean um, a free check. It probably means consternation with government it's going to come try. From somewhere. Who's going to get the chop? Yeah.
3: What about housing, Mihal? It's seen as the government's big weakness, and on the face of it, there doesn't seem to be loads here for either, uh, you know, stimulating housing and then for renters as well.
2: Yeah, I think there was a feeling within government that the capital budget is sufficient around housing, in large part, and that it's a matter. You can't of g- spend it all. Yes. And then the whole question of of renters. The government did move in that direction in the end, but a €500 credit, uh, many in the opposition saying that that really doesn't uh, compare with the type of increases that have been happening, even, Pierce Doherty said, in places like Donegal, uh, rather than the huge urban centres in the last year alone. Uh, But it certainly was was a move and perhaps something that couldn't have been quite envisaged even a short time ago. I think the government, too, extending the Help to Buy scheme uh, by two years was significant, despite criticism uh, of that scheme from some uh, government really nailing it down for a further two years.
3: And today they said they were going to publish the report that had been conducted into it, but they look at that report next year. So they've kind of long fingered any changes to it. Yeah,
2: the fact that it's a a two year uh, extension, albeit the minister indicating that he will, he will look at that review. Obviously, that does seem to be judging by the comments from the Tauras about it last Thursday in the doll an important scheme to both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's something they um, are keen to promote. And But I also think when it comes to making a principal announcement and then coming up with the details sometime later, we had an echo of that when it came to pensions. We had a principal announcement mm-hmm. on pensions, but when we're actually going to get to see the data behind that decision, what well, March, April, May, who knows?
3: And you mentioned, Michal mentioned it earlier, but the big overhang on this budget is that the government can pay for this because of corporation tax receipts and even income tax, which is fueled by people working for those small number of companies, 10 companies paying such a big chunk of our corporation tax. But even though Pascal Dunhu is warning about the dangers there, in some ways, they're not really restraining themselves. They are. There's such a danger because they are banking on those receipts. They have been using them.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it one way, say even like on VAT, the government has been winning because as we're paying for our higher energy, there's a VAT on that, so there's, the government has been gaining some on that. On the question of um, corporation tax, I think there was a clear signal from the finance minister that these days could be over. I know we've heard that before, but there was a beginning of a, a sort of a departmental change in which they were trying to extract... The resources that they were getting from um these multinationals from the domestic economy and that they were going to try and use some of those resources either the not a rainy day fund but it's a rainy day fund or to use it to pay down debt um, and mentioned our national debt which i think is around 240 at the moment um 240 billion per person was it exactly but you know the finance minister was talking about how we're the second highest per capita at the moment By 2025, we're going to be sort of well down because we're going to pay it off. So you can see a mechanism by which they're trying to prepare themselves for that day, which is getting sooner, where just those billions aren't going to be rolling into coffers anymore.
3: But Michal, it's going to be a cold day. The government has been very lucky. The Covid budget's fueled more by borrowing. This one, uh, the corporation tax, just looming large.
2: Yeah, and it, it will present a big problem. At the same time, I suppose will there come a point where government will get to deliver a budget in more more normal times? Michael McGrath saying today, these are not normal times. All the budgets that have proceeded during the pandemic weren't normal either. Uh, so it's 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 hard to know if things were on a more even keel and there wasn't an economic shock that was referenced today. Uh, would would things be different then? I think that must be the, That's probably the hope.
3: So we're joined by our resident doom merchant here, David Murphy. Yes, you're going to inject some uh, just in case people are happy with the budget. You're going to warn people that things are going to get a lot worse on the debt front. uh, And in some ways, the, the economy next year, the predictions aren't great.
0: Well, you know, every year in the budget, they produce a thing called Budget 2023 Economic and Fiscal Outlook. And it's written very differently to the actual budget speeches. And clearly they've highlighted a whole range of things that could go wrong in terms of the economy. First thing is they're making some fairly gloomy assumptions about inflation. So they say it's going to be 8.5% this year. It's going to be 10.5% next year. Now, that that obviously is very high. The other thing they've done is they've really significantly pared back their forecasts for economic growth. Uh, They were thinking it was going to be 3.9%. It's now down to 1.2%. So there's a really, really big reduction there. And there are different ways of measuring the economy and the Irish are pretty good at coming up with new ones (laughs) uh, because some of the ones we have don't suit. And so what they're looking at is a thing called modified domestic demand, and it basically measures uh, personal consumption. It measures uh, investment uh, by by the government and investment by businesses. And if you, uh, that's the one they're looking at. Uh, Minister said it's the best one, David. He says says the best (laughs) one. He says the best one. But you know, up until this one, they were using another one. Yeah,
3: (laughs) which was its own modified version of (laughs) the you know the main one. That was the GNI one, as opposed to the GDP one.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's all enough. But so, Mm. but if you look at the other one, it's easier to call it that. The other one. If you look at the other one, that's actually only going to be half a percent growth next Mm -hmm. year. So that's really actually pretty close to no growth, yep. which means the you're in a situation where if you get a, a big shock to the economy, you'll have no growth or even a recessionary type of environment. So it highlights a whole bunch of risks um, for the economy. And while things are looking OK now, because let's face it, the government has loads of money right today and it's spending a lot of money. So it looks OK and it's got those corporation tax receipts. Uh, Paul and Michal were talking about, uh, but there's a lot of clouds on the horizon. We're not sure what's going to happen next.
3: And the Department of Finance in those numbers, they're predicting that consumer spending will actually, people will really cut back between now and the end of the year. The people are going to get their bills uh, and that that area is going to contract. But one of the features we've also seen is on the bond markets and Ireland has to go back in and roll over its debt uh, all the time. But the borrowing costs have gone way up since the beginning of this year. They were close to zero and uh, now they're up way over 2%, aren't they?
0: That's right. So this is something that was referenced in Pascal Donoghue's speech. We were able to borrow for no interest at all which was amazing and then as the economies returned as inflation creeped up uh, what we've seen is that countries like Ireland have seen their cost of borrowing on the international markets go up, and now in Ireland, it's over two and a half percent. So there's a couple of implications about this. First implication is that we've got a very high national debt, as we were mentioning earlier. It's two hundred and twenty-four billion, which is forty-four thousand per capita. So that is the second highest in the EU. I thought it was two 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 four as opposed to sorry, two four oh. To, sorry, two two four. Yeah, two, two two four. Okay, uh, billion. And um, then in terms of our our debt per capita, uh, the highest is Belgium, then Ireland and then Italy. And people, you know, get very het up about the Italian bond market, which is absolutely enormous. Um, But, you know, we've we've got a lot of borrowing. Mm. Uh, We've borrowed a lot on the basis of bonds, which we don't have to pay for 20 or 30 years. So that is good. But countries don't really pay back borrowings. What they keep on doing is refreshing them. So as a bond comes due for repayment, we go and we borrow more money to pay off that bond. So a lot of our bonds are at low interest rates. But when we come to repay them, we'll have to pay at a higher interest rate. And The problem about that is that you don't really want to be taxing people and using that money simply to pay interest on your bonds. That's not a very good use of money. Wouldn't it be fair
1: to say, and I think there was something that they were doing during times of low interest rates, the government was buying an awful lot of bonds on long term. So that rollover period isn't something that's going to pop up too quickly.
0: That's true. Uh, The only counter argument to that is we have a lot of debt and we will have to roll it over. But it's certainly true. The uh, NTMA, the people who manage that debt have been doing uh, a very, very good job
3: how about uh, were there any surprises today? I know yes. there's been a cider. lot revealed. Cider, cider. cider.
0: Pear, cider. pear cider, there's a cut, isn't there?
3: Okay. To
2: encourage the production of I cider miss that and one. pear cider in particular, yes, yeah, the only kind of a uh, hairy,
0: isn't it called? Is was that it, what it? Yeah, called? but it, was it, a little word for? it. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah.
3: It no cost, pear cider drinkers here.
0: When
1: when the word was announced, it caused um, the Tisha McAll Martin to look up at the press gallery, slightly bemused, looking because oh, really? everyone looking at each other going. We're talking millions and billions and then suddenly cider. So there's
2: an incentive for uh, small producers of of cider, isn't there? There's a a tax break. And as well as that, the cost of applying for a late night exemption to encourage what the government called the nighttime economy. That's been cut in two uh, just a few weeks before So if you
3: want to hit the nightclubs there should yeah, be more of them There
2: should be more of them just for Helen McIntyre's bringing in uh, that legislation yeah. that will change all the, the rules around how long and when pubs I and think
3: like they're going to stay, stay out really they're going to stay open really late do we know 6am yeah. or something yeah. isn't All it? within uh, a few weeks yeah. it's going to be revealed Yes yes.
0: So so if you're going out and you're Tonight, for a late night, and you're having your pint of pear cider, you'd also be able to buy your newspaper knowing that the um, newspaper company is going to be able to charge a reduced rate of VAT. But I don't think it's really clear whether or not that's going to be passed yeah, on to the I think that yet. that's a
3: curious one. We will wait and see. The newspaper's very happy because apparently this VAT cut is worth 39 million euro in a full year. So, how much of that will be passed on? I mean,
0: I think there's a more serious point here that the newspaper industry has been in a lot of difficulty. and. It, to a certain extent, you know, when you don't have newspapers, you don't have the media, they're not able to shine a light on various aspects of society. So in a way, government is trying to help that. And we've seen... Pascal
3: Dunhu had some complimentary words for the important work that the newspaper journalists were doing, and I'm sure other journalists as well. Maybe not. And the concrete <laughs> levy, last word to you, Paul. This is a kind of a curious one we weren't expecting, but yeah. is it kind of uh, politically hard sell? Because it could it, it's likely to be passed on to consumers. I suppose if you think about it,
1: this you know, is related to the mica issue where and um, we found out that, you know, so many billions are going to have to be spent to help people, you know, from Donegal through to Mayo, all the way down the coast. And it links into other brick problems where other minerals have been causing chaos. And there was that report a few months ago where they were talking that nearly all of the properties, which were the apartment blocks, which were built over the course of a decade, had, had problems. Yeah, that's coming to, to and there was a public atmosphere soon. at the time, which was you know, is this another case where the taxpayers just going to have to roll over and pay out billions and there's no accountability? So to a certain extent, it seems that that was the motivation for this, whereby, you know, <clears throat> there was going to be a levy placed on on blocks. We hear from the uh, builders, uh, representative groups that could add €2,000 Euro to the cost of, of a home. Um, and that raised the question, well, why would you be doing that when due to Brexit and broken supply lines, the, house of building a house, uh, the cost of building a house is already um, high enough. So why would you want to make it even higher when we're talking about people struggling to buy homes? So I think that's what um, people sort of perked up at. Let's see if it makes it through to the finance bill, but the intention is certainly there.
2: I think another kind of big enough measure, uh, which you're likely to see take effect fairly soon, is that huge numbers that will be included now in the fuel allowance, potentially up to 80,000 uh, more households with, with a focus on on people who are on pensions or the state pension. So that is a very large cohort of people. If it's households, it could be well over 100,000 more people. And that leads, I suppose, gives the government a degree of of political space as well with people who are on pensions who can be a very forceful and vociferous group if the budget were to go against them. Uh, Michael McGrath pointed to the fact that at this point next year, uh, pensioners would be better off to the tune of more than 2,000 Uh, as a result of measures announced today.
1: I mean, one other thing to watch is that expansion of the people who qualify for medical cards and some concerns that that's only going to bung up the system, that Mm -hmm. people may have a card, they just can't get to their GP because they can't get access to it. So one to watch as well.
3: So how about some political predictions, just so you can all hang yourselves on some predictions for next year. So we had the cost of living measures back in February. It was the energy credit and a number of other things. Will the government be back at some stage next year, they've been talking about, you know, retaining fiscal firepower for next year. Will they be back? Do you think, Paul? Yes. Oh, sorry, Michal got in there first, so you're saying in yes. March.
1: It's really unfair. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. I think they when? Problem. What month? Let's March. just
3: March. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You think the money's going to run out? March. I think, yeah. yeah. And it'll be the energy bills that will tip people over. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think you just meeting people on the street just. Mm. Um, that's what people are fearful about. And I suppose that's one of the strategies for it. people on the street? I meet loads of people on the street. Um, That's why, you know, from Sinn Féin's point of view, they're they're putting their finger on that tension, on that concern. Mm. Oh, my God, how big could those bills be? Mm. And they're saying, we've got an alternative. Um, Government coming back and saying, oh, no, you don't. You can't account for um, doing a policy like that. It's just putting us on the hook for the energy companies. That debate is going to roll on.
3: Okay, well, that's all from this special budget podcast. So thanks for listening and uh, please subscribe.